I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. Coming up on the Quick and the Dirty podcast, we're going to talk to Dr. Lori Batito, who is with Pornhub's Sexual Wellness Center. You would normally think that sexual wellness and Pornhub go together, but they do now. <laughs> they totally do. This is a great conversation. The Quick and the Dirty podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. Okay, Sandra, it's time for the colonoscopy update. What the heck happened? Uh, well, you know, it's funny how you you build things up in your brain and that you make it really, really scary because that's what the fear of the unknown is. But I will say this, my first colonoscopy, I walked in to that office, a girl, and I left a woman. <laughs> I'm a woman, <laughs> finally. The ultimate so- ass play. <laughs> <laughs> so you were really nervous going in. Was it actually as bad as you thought it would be? Not even close. Like, honest to God, I built it up to be this big, scary thing. Everything you told me about a colonoscopy, bang on. Right to the farting at the end, which mortified the <laughs> shit out of me. You didn't right. mention, but but you didn't mention the part about them putting a garden hose inside of you. You forgot <laughs> that part. Well, I figured there were some things that needed to be left a secret or we'd never get you through the doors. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you know, the best part, oh, you, you described the the drugs, bang on. That was truly the best high I've ever had. It was spectacular. I loved it. I'll go back for the colonoscopy just for the drugs now. Honestly, you're never that relaxed. Like there's right? no way you could clench anything, let alone your butthole. Totally. You know what's hilarious is that to me that feeling when she she uh, uh, injected me with it. And by the way, I found out it was propofol. And don't think I didn't make a bad Michael Jackson joke right before I passed out because I did. <laughs> it was so bad. And the, the anesthetist's face was she was like mortified. Like, lady, this is some shitty comedy. And she, I don't know why a Michael Jackson joke isn't appropriate when you're being injected with propofol. But OK. And I and I joked that it looked like a white Russian because <laughs> it was a creamy white substance. But you know how, okay, everybody who's ever been to a bar at last call is going to relate to this. You know how it's the end of the night, you've had way too much to drink, and you know that one more drink is the stuff that blackouts are made of? Right. The drug they give you is the last drink of the night, and you're just about to blackout. It, it, that's exactly <laughs> what it felt like to me. It's like, oh, shit, I'm going to pass out now. Damn it. I shouldn't have had that last beer. It's exactly what it felt like. Part of me wondered whether when you were all nervous and I was trying to explain to you what it was like, part of me worried that maybe it was like childbirth and you forget how terrible it is afterwards <laughs> and then it's like suddenly a sunny moment. But I don't think it is that bad. Uh, it's not as bad as childbirth. It's not even remotely. But the idea of having a garden hose up your ass is not a good idea. <laughs> That was scary when I, I I was lying there. I'm like, so what are you going to scope me with? And then he showed me this garden hose. And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? Are you kidding me? All right, we'll and, have at her. And his answer was, no, you shit for me. <laughs> but it was it was fine. I was high afterwards. I felt good. It was weird, though, because um, I didn't feel like I had just been involved in 30 minutes of ass play. Like at all. Like I thought my bum was going to hurt and it didn't at all. Not at all. So then the other big question, the other thing you were terrified about, the fart room. How was it? (laughs) 
they didn't put me in a fart room because I didn't have to go there because when they wheeled me from the, uh, I guess the procedure room or the operating room or whatever into um, my own little space, you know, when you have your own little curtains around you, they had a communal area with curtains. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, uh, the lady had given me a wipe because I'm like, is there, um, did you lube my ass? And she's like, we did. Um, and then she's like, here, take a, take a, like a, a cloth to wipe it up. So I've, I've rolled over to wipe up my lubed ass and I let one rip and it was accidental. It just came out of me. This awful loud noise and I'm wearing a mask and I'm lying there and I'm high and I just went holy shit did that just come out of me and she's laughing and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm a lady and I don't like I don't and she knew how mortified I was so it was even funnier and I started laughing as I wiped the lube from my ass it was something (laughs) Sandra there's a little part of me that said this is over and I, I can't wait for you to get another medical procedure. Oh, well, I've, actually, I'm getting one in January we can talk about. I'm getting an endobiopsy where they're going to scrape my uterus. So stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> Everyone who's listening to the podcast right now has probably visited Pornhub at least 20 times, I'm sure. And you, Come on, admit it. Admit it. You have. We all have. And maybe you don't necessarily think of sexual wellness when you think of it, but maybe you should. They've now launched a brand new video series as part of their Sexual Wellness Center. And today we're really excited to welcome the director of the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center, Dr. Lori Batito. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Lori, this is so interesting because uh, I will admit I have visited Pornhub. I have not come across a sexual wellness center, but I did a deep dive and there are some really interesting things available for people. Now, when Pornhub first came to you four years ago when the sexual wellness center started, what were they hoping to accomplish? Well, it was interesting because they, they, they didn't quite know what they wanted to do. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. Uh, somebody put us together. Like I knew that, uh, you know, my whole life has been about educating the public through my radio show and writing and all that stuff. So um, somebody put me with them because they were looking for some kind of community project. And together we came up with this site uh, to help people from all over the world access quality information because we all know that a lot of people with no access to education and your average person too uh, may look to porn as an educate you know as, as to get educated on sex and that was we all know that was the wrong way to go so we wanted to provide a platform for people who are already on Pornhub to get the other side basically to have their questions answered to look at uh, what real So it was really designed for people who already visit the site. Right. To give them sort of a healthier ass or or an all encompassing view of sex. Exactly. It's not what you learn in porn is porn is entertainment. Yes, you can learn a few things, but you're not going to learn what you need to to learn to have a healthy sexual life. 
I'm so glad you said that because I feel like that too. And I don't know that if, if everybody has that point point of view about pornography. And I, I get that that's a totally huge blanket statement. Uh, it's different for everybody. But uh, do you uh, actually let me let me ask you what I wanted to ask you about sexual wellness right off the top before we get into pornography and how it fits into sure. all of this. What is sexual wellness? Like, what does that even mean? Well, sexual wellness, I, I think it's like wellness in general. Um, you know, it's more about prevention than dealing with a problem. So if we look at just the wellness industry is how to keep a, a healthy mind, a healthy body and a healthy sex life. And what do we need to do all of those things is we need to be armed with uh, good information to show us what it is to be healthy. So uh, again, uh, Sexual wellness is about being able to um, address sexual issues as they come up. It's about having the knowledge to uh, have good sexual relationships with someone else. It's about knowing what a healthy sexual relationship looks like in terms of uh, consent. Uh, in terms of the behaviors, I mean, it's very hard to to, to defined because sexuality is so huge and so many people engage in so many different things that I don't want to put a judgment on any one behavior. And from my point of view, when any person's sexual behavior causes them distress or interferes with their life or interferes with their relationship, that's not well, right? So uh, that's when they might seek out help, but we want to avoid to get into that kind of situation. So when we talk, you, yeah, when you talked about like pornography and how it is not to be used as an educational tool, I will say right. one thing. I've learned a lot from porn. It's not, you know, <laughs> not a couple not, things. I get it. Like, it's okay. If you, you know that you're going into something and you're watching it because you know it's entertainment. You, you know it's fantasy. I'm not saying you can't learn positions and you can't learn um, some role playing and you can't learn some stuff. There is stuff to learn from that. But you're not going to learn your basics of human sexuality from that. You're not going to learn how to have a sexual conversation. You're not going to learn how to put on a condom in in an erotic way. You're not going to learn uh, how to um, have a conversation around uh, consent. You're not going to, you're never going to get the backstory, right? Like you'll see a BDSM, um, maybe played out, but you're not going to see the negotiation that happened beforehand, the boundary discussion that happened beforehand. You don't get any backstory. And you don't see the end of it either. I kind of think about it like the romantic comedy of sex. A romantic yeah. comedy movie is not a realistic relationship. It's a exactly. fantasy. And that's exactly. what porn is to sexuality. Uh, yeah. Uh, imagine if you only grew up with romantic comedies and never saw anything else. That's what you would think, right? It's like the fairy tales. You think that's the way love is supposed to work. The same way that if you, um, you've never been in a car and you've never seen cars on the road, but all you've been fed is movies like The Fast and the Furious, you know, bang them and, and, and race cars and all that. You think that's what driving is. So you don't that that's exactly what we want to combat. We want to be able to show the other side. 
Basically, you want to prevent us from being disappointed for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. because, <laughs> that's a, that's like, a good point. You know what? You're bringing up a really good point because like in my practice as a clinician, I see a lot of uh, what I'd call uh, performance anxiety, a lot of insecurities around sexuality, men and women as well, because they don't look like the people in porn. They don't behave like the, the the people in porn and that causes confusion. It's like I'll have a guy saying, I don't understand, like, why doesn't she vocalize at all? Like the women you know, why like in porn the the women love to have uh ejaculate on their face or the women love uh, <laughs> Yeah, know, they do. They, they love they they love intercourse and then they're like shocked to realize to to learn that eighty percent of women don't orgasm through intercourse alone, you know, or they expect their women to, uh, to, to, to have a geyser of a, of a, you know, this huge amount of liquid that comes out of them. Again, like, it's, this is you can porn. say squirt on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, right? It's no all, it's yeah. no holds bar. <laughs> I couldn't find the word in my brain, but yes, the whole squirting thing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that they go into it expecting and realizing, wait a second, what's going? Am I? Is it me? Am I not doing something right? You know, or how come I can't last for an hour? How come in porn they keep going and going and going and going, and I can't get? I can't do it like that. Uh, again, without the facts, right? So there is a comparison, and there's a fear. It's not. It's like it. it it's a fear of not measuring up. Uh, and this can cause some serious problems about letting go and, and problems in terms of getting erections and causes a lot of anxiety in people. Yeah, I you know, I totally get that. I've been married for 100 years and uh, porn has taught me a few things. Uh, it's taught me that there's more than just the missionary position, yes. <laughs> which was yes. you know news to me. And then there was, uh, you know, how to give a decent blowjob. I thought that yeah. like I've seen a, a few good, decent blowjobs on there. I'm like, oh, OK, that's very interesting. But we're not all porn stars. Right. And we all can't give the great blowjob we all can't do 72 positions because at my age my body doesn't do that anymore <laughs> not even close my body never did <laughs> <laughs> but again you can learn techniques no question about it you you know a lot of people have questions around that they want to be good at pleasuring their partner but then it becomes so uh focused on the outcome and so focused like it just ends up becoming mechanical and sometimes people lose sight of the uh, purpose of sex besides pleasure which is also uh, connecting and uh, feeling close to somebody etc yeah because I've never had like a pizza guy come to my house <laughs> it's never it's never gone the way it does in the movies um can I ask you about the relationship w between porn and teenagers because I have two teenage boys who mm -hmm. I don't know if they're sexually active I believe one is or has been actually no I think they both have act I don't know I don't want to say now because yeah. I'm just in case they're listening I don't want them to know that I might know so I'll just leave it but but I say that if porn is their number one education tool if you will I worry about that because they, as a grown up, yes. I know it's, I know the, the real sex world is not like a porn as much exactly. as I'd love it to be one, but my kids don't know. So how do they right. learn about the sexual wellness center? Well, this, uh, let me just say uh, 
flat out, this is not for 18 and under. So this is not a site made for teenagers. This is not what we designed it for. So I don't want to promote it. We, we never promoted it outside of Fair enough, yes. Pornhub. Fair enough. So, yeah. So I don't want people thinking that, you know, we're trying to get people into porn by creating this site. It's not at all. So I would not give them, I, I wouldn't give teenagers the uh, URL for this. However, I would. You know they're going to find it, but anyway. <laughs> well, if they find it on their own, that's one thing. But uh, it's not something that I would uh, promote. If you know they're already going on Pornhub, that's maybe a different story. But my worry is for teenagers who get fed, uh, you know, the accessibility is so so easy, of course. And sometimes they're watching pornography for five, six years before they're getting sexual themselves with a real human being. And if that's the only place <laughs> that they are uh, learning and what have you, then I, I find that troublesome, right? So look, it's not that every kid doesn't understand that this is fantasy. Some people clearly know this is fantasy. However, I think as parents and educators um, and sex education programs, should have a component of porn literacy. They need to understand and become critical thinkers of what they're watching. Because I don't, That's I such want, a great idea. Right. I wouldn't want my, my kids to know, whether they're girls or boys, that this is how women respond, or this is how you treat women in everyday life, or this is what all women like. Um, sometimes it's quite misogynistic, right? We all know, and I mean, there's all been tons of, I mean, that, that the criticism around pornography is, is that, of course, there's some nice female centric, uh, pornography too, but that may not be where they're going for. So, and then they get into bed with somebody and they're treating the woman the way that the guy in porn is treating her thinking that's what all women like. So being able to have a conversation with them, multiple conversations about pornography and asking them questions, well, how do you think the woman felt in this situation? And what do you think happened before they got into that situation? And get, getting them to, to think about the fact that this is a, a, a snippet of a movie that doesn't have the, any explanation of the relationship these two people have uh, and how they got to this place. Because you don't just show up at somebody's house and their pants come down. Like, that's not the way it is. So there obviously there's how to have a good uh, conversation about sex, how to have a good conversation about consent and where you want it to go. So if you have kids, you've got to, you've got to include conversations about porn, even if you want to. Don't put your head in the sand thinking they don't have access. They are watching it. It's not at your house, someone else's house. And, they, and you need to have that conversation. One of the things that I really appreciate about the Sexual Wellness Center is the emphasis on sexual health from a disease prevention standpoint, because I think anybody who's watched mainstream porn has seen there is some porn where they're totally doing the safe sex thing but not all the time. Oh, most of the time, not like most of the, but again, we, oh, there's a backstory. We, you know, porn stars have, before they get on set have to be tested and they have to, then they get tested all the time. And uh, now they're back uh, since COVID. Uh, they have to have COVID tests every time they uh, walk onto a set. Like that's the backstory. 
right? So they're not using condoms because they've both been tested uh, and somebody's on birth control. But you don't see that. You don't see that whole thing play out. No, and sex during a pandemic. Oh, that's tricky. Um, <laughs> porn porn yeah. sex, like, I, I, I never really thought about how the porn industry has to resume and make fresh porn. Although, do we need, fre- I mean, I feel like there's, there isn't anything I haven't seen. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're, they're still making fresh porn. They're still making fresh porn. That's right. <laughs> But what about people um, during the pandemic? I believe I read that you also have a part, uh, part of the Sexual Wellness Center is telling people how to have sex during the pandemic as well. What are some of the tips and tricks for pandemic sex right now? Well, I mean, the, the main mode of transmission for COVID is through droplets and saliva and things. So obviously kissing somebody is, uh, is, is your highest risk um, behavior. Again, just like what we say in ST, with STIs, uh, there's no, no such thing as no risk. There's always some risk, right? So uh, they, I mean, the, the guidelines are there even from the government in terms of uh, keeping your number of sexual partners low. If you can stick to one, like, you know, make, put them into your bubble kind of thing, uh, get tested ahead of time, uh, know your partner, know know the the kinds of uh, exposure they might have. So let's say you're going to go out with somebody and you find out that they work in a, uh, in a long-term healthcare facility where there's been an outbreak, right? So it's about protecting yourself more than anything. Um, Positions where you're not breathing on each other (laughs) could be good. Less spitting. Yeah. Uh, Well, less one on top of the other and maybe more with some distance. They suggest wearing masks during uh, sex, which, again, you know, yeah. Who's doing that, though? Like, let's be honest. I know. I know. I know. I'm I'm just saying the suggestions are there if you really, really, really want to protect yourself to the max. But um, but it's it's interesting because it's the it's the same conversations we were trying to teach people to have about their uh, sexual health status. And now we're doing it around COVID. So, um, you know, it's about assessing your own risk too and what you're willing to, what, what you're willing to risk. It's like married sex, basically. No kissing and doggy style. Done. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in your marriage, it's not what it happens. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's not normal. Just checking. I okay. Like the kissing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, One of my favorite videos, or uh, actually it was an article that I came across in the Sexual Wellness Center, was whether porn is cheating. And it was interesting because I, in my relationship, it's not. But I, I would imagine that for some people it is. How did you deal with that? And why, how would you go about dealing with something like that when you're on a site for porn? Well, uh, it's not about this. You know, a lot of a lot of the articles that are on there are things that people have wrote, written about, and so we often uh, use that as a as a trigger or a reminder of oh, we need to talk about this kind of thing because even in my practice, like I will have couples that come in where a partner's really upset that they discovered porn on uh, on their partner's computer, for example. But again, the story is bigger than that. It's not just watching the porn, right? So in let's say take this situation. You have a couple 
Uh, the wife wants to have sex, but the husband ignore like doesn't you know isn't very uh, doesn't initiate sex with her. She's been she's frustrated. She doesn't understand what's going on. They haven't had sex in a long time. Then she discovers that he's on porn every night and he's masturbating. So of course she's going to feel betrayed in that situation because he's choosing porn and masturbation over sex with her. So in that situation, it'll feel like a betrayal. Take the same couple who have a regular sex life, who talk about sexuality, who, where there is no frustration, and the and the partner knows that yeah, my partner, you know, masturbates uh, in between times that we're not having sex and and indulges in porn to get things going. Okay, not a problem. She doesn't feel betrayed. I mean, it could be the reverse too, but let's just take it. Let's just go with men. Right. Well, they yeah. tend to watch porn more, but yeah. So you see, it's like. Everything is, uh, you have to define it based on your, yourself as well. It's not a, a simple answer to say whether something is, um, is cheating or not. Take the situation of, so there's pornography where you're, you have no interaction with the people. Take a webcam uh, girl, for example. So now you're watching somebody perform for you. You're paying that somebody to perform for you. You may be chatting with that person. Um, now, that to most people, that will be far more on the betrayal side, on the cheating side, than not. Right when it's it's there's a connection involved. Now it's right. different. Exactly, there's a person, there's a connection. Exactly. Yikes! Wow. What about couples that watch porn together? Is that common right. yeah well hey whatever <laughs> right that sounds it sounds yeah. if you both agree that it's something that you're into and and it's readily available at which it is that's great is do you think that's very prevalent right now with a lot of couples watching porn together i don't know how i don't know if it's very prevalent but i know that it, a lot of couples do and there's certainly not an issue with that at all it, it's something that gets them going and they look they can look at it together and be inspired together by something that they are uh, watching or be aroused. And that's where it's a healthy tool for couples as well. Yeah. You know, it's funny that I asked you about how, how, what the relationship between porn and young people are in terms of their sexual development. But now cut like fast forward to couples that have been married for a really, really long time. And how you say, you know, let's say the guy is watching porn and he's, uh, he's masturbating instead of uh, having sex with his wife. It, I feel like that also creates an unhealthy relationship with sex too. Absolutely. That, that is problematic. If a person, uh, it, it's a little bit like porn is the fast food of, um, of sex, right? So imagine if every time you're hungry, you're going to the McDonald's window and grabbing a Big Mac. What's going to happen to you? You yeah. know, you're, you're not going to do so well, like physically, right? So it, it, <laughs> it's the same thing with this. If you're hungry for sex and all you do is um, go for more and more and more uh, pornography and that kind of sexual arousal, it's going to be very difficult for you to turn it into something where it's like a three-course meal with your partner, right? You get used to the easy <laughs> fix and you don't want yes. to spend the time um, engaging and spending the, because you have, there is time, there's a time involved, there's an effort involved. Uh, so that's where it can be, it can lead you down a dangerous path in a relationship. But it, there, it's certainly possible to have a balance between 
a good sex with your partner and good sex with yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Say you start watching something in porn and you're curious about it. How would you suggest somebody go to their partner and talk about bringing something into their relationship? Well, you would try to, first you'd you'd want to, um, I guess, assess what, what that, your partner is, uh, might feel about something. So let's say you did see something in porn and you said to your partner, I just saw this. I want to know what you think about this. And then you can show it to your partner or whatever act it is. And if they look at that and they say, hmm, doesn't that look interesting? Or, ew, that's disgusting. I would never <laughs> want to do that. Well, there's your answer. Not not the time to be saying, I'd like to try that. <laughs> and scene. Right. <laughs> um, can we, when you think of porn, you often think of men who, you know, like you said, slide into the basement to uh, jerk off and watch porn. But what about the relationship that women have with porn? Because, I mean, I'm not a big porn watcher, to be honest, but I've seen porn enough. And, you know, when I've needed porn, it's been there for me. In my life, <laughs> full disclosure, but like it's, it's not something I do on the regular at all. But I mean, right. I've noticed that for sure there is. I mean, what I think that for women my age, that there's a lot of MILF porn out there now. And I don't know that MILF porn is necessarily for guys who like, you know, older women. I think MILF porn is for women like me who can see themselves in uh, that porn, is what I think it is, you know? I, I would say both both work in that way about 40 percent of women watch porn so still you have oh, more wow. men than women but about 40 like on Pornhub I think 40 percent of their viewership is women so we know that women want uh, women are aroused too by by uh, sexual scenes and what have you but I think that there is a, a demand for more female-centric porn meaning women respond better storylines they respond to erotic situations and there are porn sites and porn producers who are female who are catering to those needs far more and where it feels more natural where there's a build-up you know in our normal sexuality women need to be heated up it, we're like a dimmer switch not an on-off switch we need to right. be warmed up so a lot of the porn does not have any of that warm warming up. It's like you open the door, bang, there's your pizza guy, right? Uh, <laughs> there's no there's no warming up. So a lot of the porn that's made for women, and one of the categories that's being that's searched a lot is porn for women. A lot of people are looking for that on, let's say, a site like Pornhub. So um, absolutely, women are interested. And it's creating a demand for porn that we find more interesting. So like romance novels, think about romance novels. I don't know about you, but I grew up on Harlequin romances and Jackie Collins and like steamy, steamy, steamy stuff. Yes. Yes. I've read a few Jackie Collins in my day for sure. Yes. (laughs) So think, think about the effect of that, right? Think about the effect of that uh, erotic writing and imagination. And so it's not like women aren't triggered by all this stuff. We are, but think of the, we, we like the storyline. We like the seduction. We like the romance. We're not just into uh, looking at genitals going at it. Yeah. Like are men more visually stimulated than women? 
Yes, I would say so. Yes. Not that women aren't visually stimulated, but not in the same way. You know, I, I give this example often, you know, um, if you have a, let's say you're with your, your partner and you're coming out of the shower all, you know, wet and glistening and naked, likely that your partner may get an erection, right? It'll, it'll trigger the desire. And then I ask them, well, when your husband comes out of the, or your partner comes out of the shower uh, naked, does your clitoris start to throb? And, you know, most women say, uh, no, it takes a lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it takes a pizza, too. Like, you really got to work me at a bottle of wine. It takes a little more than that is all I want to say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This has been highly educational and a whole lot of fun. Good. <laughs> I love talking about sex, as you can see. Yeah, I know. Well, you made a career of it. Let's be honest. You must. Yeah, it's that's uh, what I do day in and day out. And uh, I actually, I really love it. And I love when people reach out with all their questions. And it's, uh, and I realize too, and especially with this site, I realize how little education there is around the world. Many of our questions come from all over the world where they have access to zero. It's crazy because they have access to to porn, but they don't have access to sex education. When Pornhub first reached out to you, were you concerned about what this would mean? And are you really, truly happy with where it's gone? So when I first, when we started this, my big concern was, um, yes, my name would now be associated with a porn company and would people start calling me some kind of a sellout or is this going to be something that's going to hurt my, um, my career, right? So that there was a question about it. And then, then I thought long and hard about this. And I said, you know, my, my goal in life or my, my purpose has been to educate the public as much as possible. And I thought, here's a company or here's a site that has, I don't know, 100 million visits a day, something like that, like from all over the world. And I thought, if I could reach even a portion of these people, then the word get, then I'm going to educate far more people. So for me, it was worth the risk, even though I knew that my current employer which is on the radio, might have an issue with it and might say, you know, we don't want anybody associated with any particular porn site on our airwaves and what have you. They were, they did not say anything and they were really good about it and I kept my job. So, um, but it was, for me, it was worth the risk as much as I love doing my local radio station here and what have you. It was absolutely worth the risk because it, for me, my, the reason again was to reach as many people as possible. So at the beginning, when we launched, of course, we had some media backlash where people were kind of putting down the porn site for doing this and um, thinking it was some kind of marketing ploy, what have you. And I would have never gotten involved with something that was a marketing ploy, for sure not. To me, it was really, really important that this was a site that was uh, that that would be filled with information from sources that I chose, meaning they, they couldn't just be writers who are interested in sex. They had to be professionals in the industry. In medicine, we have uh, um, medical educators. We have all kinds of people who are science-based and, and who are experts in their uh, respective fields within sexuality. That was 
extremely important to me. So I, I they gave me uh, a lot of, uh, of freedom to like, you know, to, to choose and to, um, they give me autonomy in terms of, of what can go on that site. They didn't tell me you're not allowed to talk about the bad side of, of porn. I would never have done it otherwise. I said, look, I'm going to be talking about some of the uh, negative impacts of pornography on here. And they're like, fine, you know, science based, all good. Um, so it made, it made a lot of sense. It just made a lot of sense. And then as time went on, we just kept getting more and more positive feedback because it's very hard to say something bad about something that provides something so good to people. So, uh, and in the end, you know, it's, the feedback has been incredible. We've had 40 million visitors to the site. Uh, people write in. I get thousands of questions sent in all the time. Um, I'm answering them. People are thrilled that we are that they're able to have a place where they can get those questions answered. And what are some of the most common questions that you get asked? And again, this is a snapshot of all over the world, so I'm very curious. Uh, I get a lot of questions about penises, <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, my penis doesn't look right, or it, cur- it curves funny, or um, how do I last longer? Uh, I get relationship questions as well. Uh, fears around uh, first-time sexuality. I get questions about orgasm uh, from uh, from women. Uh, I mean, it runs the the range, really. Uh, Some of the less common, but still, they, uh, you know, particular fetishes, uh, people want to know. Often the main main thing they want to know is, am I normal? That's really what they're looking to, to establish. Am I normal? Yeah, which is so interesting because I don't think, I mean, nobody's normal because we're all different. Well, that that's a good point. Exactly. So my job is to sh- to let them know what not normal looks like, right? So right. the distress, the distress factor, the uh, you know, is it legal? Is it consensual? Is it safe? <laughs> like these are kinds of things people can ask themselves. Yeah, you know, there was a time that I was, I'm going to say, in my. F- late 30s, 40s, when porn really became accessible on people's personal devices. So Mm -hmm. I guess in the last 10 years, even, I remember feeling a little bit insecure about myself, thinking, you know, I have to almost compete with porn and these porn stars who are way hotter than me, who look better than me naked, who obviously are far more... um, flexible than I am and can do things and can hold a squat way longer than I can. Yeah. It's that thing of like, I feel like sometimes I've compared myself to those women and I felt bad about myself. Now I know better. I feel, I feel really great about myself. Despite the fact I gained 10 pounds during COVID, I feel better about myself today than I did 10 years ago. But again, I wonder if that's a problem as well. Women who sit there and compare themselves to these crazy porn star standards. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's a big problem because the way it's approached in terms of my partner's looking at these women on the screen, it must mean that that's what he wants. It must mean that he wants somebody that looks like her and not me. Again, we forget watching something on the screen is entertainment. It's not there for, um, it's not because that's what you actually want. 
I mean, when we watch films and we see hot people on films, whether they're guys, women, whatever, you can have a little fantasy. You can say, wow, you know, what a, what a good looking guy that is. But that doesn't change the way you feel about your partner. It doesn't mean you're looking at your partner saying, oh, I wish my partner looked like that. You love your partner because of who they are. So there's a, you have to make that distinction. It's not watching pornography and being turned on by what you see doesn't mean that's what you want. Is that also the case for the kind of porn that you're watching? So someone may watch BDSM because it's curious for them, uh-huh. but not at all want that in their own sex life. Right. Oh, that, that happens an awful lot. So you might watch uh, a lot of uh, gangbangs, for example, but in your real life, it's not something you would even think of because it's too complicated. It just looks like it's just too, it's a, it, it can be really messy. But in fantasy, <laughs> Kenneth, no, literally. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a lot going on there. Okay. So, but, but, and I'm talking emotionally messy too. Oh, right? okay. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> gotcha. Okay, you got me there. Uh, <laughs> so, so obviously, whatever we fantasize about is not an indication of what we actually want to do in real life. Now, do you say that, but to the person watching, do they fundamentally understand that too? Like, Yes, yes. Most people will tell you that they find a lot of things uh, arousing. That doesn't mean they'd want to do the exact same thing in their real life with their partner. Well, that's Sometimes a good point. Yes. That's you a good know? point. Like if a guy with an eight inch dick tried to do me or a 10 inch dick, I'd be like, it was fun <laughs> to watch you perform, but no, I'm out. Run, run away. Exactly. As fast as I can. Right. But listen, some people have, some people have fantasies, forget the porn, but let's say just fantasies about having a, a threesome, for example, but it's not something they actually want to do. They, they can fantasize about it and the fantasy is really nice. But they might know on the other side of it, like, how complicated might that be? You know, it, it, in fantasy, you control it. You control everything. In real life, you control very little. Very true. Uh, Dr. Lori, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Uh, all, this has been very eye-opening, actually. Like, really eye-opening. And I'm so glad that Pornhub is doing this and adding that extra level of education for anybody who has questions. And I love that people reach out to you and constantly ask you questions. That's awesome. I, th- I think it's great. Thank Dr. Lori, if people did want to reach out or they want to check out the Sexual Wellness Center, how do they find it? So you can reach out to me. My website is drlaurie.com and the Pornhub site, if you go to pornhub.com slash sex, you actually get to our site with no sex. Perfect. <laughs> kind of funny, but you get to the you get directly to the sexual wellness site and and like you mentioned at the beginning, we've now started a video series because a lot of people have been asking us like the how to's of things and they want to be able to see it visually. So it's a new thing. We've been working on it for a couple of years and we finally uh, put it together, went to Hollywood, did it really professional. It was really great. Uh, And we got some really good people who are uh, on these uh, videos in terms of experts also uh, describing certain things. And so, um, yeah, we think it's, uh, it's just a next step for us. Thanks, Dr. Laurie. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Dr. Laurie. 
This episode is over, but the conversation doesn't have to be. Follow Hillary and Sandra on social. Instagram at Hillary on Air, at Sandra Kiss 1053. Twitter at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 1053. And on Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. Got a question? Email Hillary and Sandra, the quick and the dirty at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can download the podcast each week to your mobile device to listen offline. Find the quick and the dirty on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts.